Welcome to Saucer Cinema, the podcast about UFOs, aliens, and otherworldly phenomena in film, TV, and other media. I'm your host, Alex. On this week's episode, Jen Albright of Have You Seen This returns to the podcast to discuss the 1980 film Hangar 18, directed by James L. Conway and starring Darren McGavin, Robert Vaughn, and Gary Collins. everybody uh today i have once again jen albright back on the pod hello we are going to be talking about the motion picture (laughs) not a lot of motion but yeah (laughs) it is a visual artifact of some kind i guess it is a series of still images uh run at such a rate as to create the illusion of motion (laughs) in spite of the best efforts of everyone concerned yeah uh, Hangar 18 from 19... 1980, I think? Yeah, 1980. Yes. Okay, correct. Yeah, same year as uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, three years after Close Encounters and Star Wars. Yeah. Three years <laughs> after Starship Invasions. Yes. <laughs> Which... Uh, I gotta say, much more enjoyable movie than this. Starship Invasions is very fun. Um, And also has uh, one of my favorite actors, uh, who is also in this movie, Robert Vaughn. Um, Right. Yes, you are are the official um, saucer cinema, special uh, Robert Vaughn correspondent. (laughs) Yes, and uh, if you would like to join the Robert Vaughn fan club, uh, just go to patreon.com slash have you seen this and join at the uh, $5 up level. Um, I'll send you some Man from Uncle fan art or something. <laughs> well, he, he's in this movie, but yeah, not enough. And it's like... Right. It's it's the kind of role that he can sleepwalk through in which he has sleepwalked through many a time. Because um, even though he really started out his career with being a hero in Man from Uncle it really seemed like people wanted to cast him more as a kind of a, a, a slimy bad guy, uh, a bureaucrat or a corrupt politician or even a malignant computer. Like he played uh, uncredited in Demon Seed. Oh, he, oh yeah. I think you mentioned that last time you were on. He was the voice of the computer. Yes. He's the voice of Proteus in, in, in Demon Seed. And it's a really, it's a really wonderful performance. Um, now, he doesn't really have much to do except kind of be generically evil in this movie. Um, And this movie is like really a parade of blandness in general. I was astonished to discover that it was not 
a television movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's exactly the thought I had. I mean, I remember seeing this as a kid, you know, because, you know, I was in my UFO obsession phase, which honestly really hasn't ended, but... <laughs> <laughs> Still going strong today. Yeah, but exactly. But, um, oh, by the way, have you seen Nope yet? I haven't. Oh, God, it's really good. It's... I really need to I really need to get on that because and and the thing that kills me is that I know that I will probably miss it in the theaters and I feel like it's a film that really should be seen in the theater just from what people are telling me. Yeah. This one not so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, this one's a, uh I mean I saw this when I was like I said when I was a kid it was one of those like see Hangar 18 is like one of those bits of uh lore, you know, and legend like it was it was Area Fifty One before Area Fifty One was Area Fifty One. Oh, does it mean? go back as far as that? I didn't know, realize. Oh yeah, yeah. Hangar a Hangar. I mean, I think the movie popularized it, but like it was a uh, it was a bit of lore that had been floating around the UFO world for like years. Um, basically, because it came from you know the 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 rumors of bodies and wreckage being held at some secret hangars or, or building at uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And, and um, uh, Hangar 18 was the number that was thrown out for some reason. That was just the number. <laughs> and uh, there, were, there were a lot of different uh, uh, ideas of how that came about, how that how the number got bandied about. I'm not really sure exactly. Uh, I have this I mean, the Wikipedia says traces it back to a, a book that was written in the '70s about the alleged crash at Aztec, New Mexico, which was the uh, which was another alleged crash in New Mexico, like Roswell. Um, and but that one was uh, was uh, eventually discovered to be a hoax, correct? Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting thing. Yeah, like, of course, people you know have gone, oh, it wasn't actually a hoax or something, whatever. Yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, as far as like this this movie is concerned, I don't give it doesn't really matter. But like the but yeah, it's definitely one of those things where like it was one of the many many stories about stuff being held at Wright Patterson, which is that's been going on for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, it was popularized mostly in the seven, uh, largely in the seventies, uh, by a researcher named Leonard Stringfield, who was receiving a lot of reports from people he knew he was pretty connected he knew a lot of people in the military a lot of people in the government and he was being told stories some many of them firsthand about there being bodies or something or wreckage being held there but again it's all whatever (laughs) something creepy yeah yeah it's interesting Mm -hmm. you know but who the fuck knows what was really going on there? I mean, right. I, I still don't know what's going on with all the current UFO stuff that's been going on the last few years. I still not, I still have no idea how much of that is some kind of psyop, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> or some kind of uh, actual attempt to get some stuff out there. I don't know. Right. But, you know, it's hard. It's, it's impossible. It's hard to, to tell what's an op these days. Yeah, exactly. Like, especially when you're like, everything's turned into entertainment and right. You know, and uh, which there's not a lot of in this. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like, but well, we're not talking about entertainment tonight. 
No. John Tesh has nothing to do with this. <laughs> Mary Hart is not here, sadly. Lisa Gibbons. <laughs> oh, I used to watch that show every night as a kid. I was one of those I was obsessed with like entertainment shows. Yeah, that was the do you know that was the the source of info that you went to because like what were you gonna do go on the internet there was yeah no exactly internet. exactly yeah like i remember uh the e channel had a show that coming attractions that was just trailers yeah <laughs> so i have like this weirdly specific knowledge of movies that came out like between like 91 and 92 you know like right 90 91 92 like all like that was like i watched so much coming attractions and uh somehow yeah and that's like how it, you know, I don't know. I was just one of the, I was, I was that kind of dorky kid. It just, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like how I, I know all these garbage movies from between roughly 1992 to 2000. Cause that was the time when I was reading LA times calendar because I was also a very nerdy kid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was literally the type of kid who would be like excited about how many stars they would give a movie. I like in the local TV guide. Oh yeah, I used to I used to look through the movie schedule that came with the Sunday paper every week to see like, you know, what was coming on that was good. What did I want to watch? What movie with whatever actor I was obsessed with at the time was coming on? I was also like one of those kids who read a lot of like uh, the Roger Ebert books, the little Leonard Malton books, all those, all that shit. Oh yeah, the Malton movie guide and everything. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. um, I I don't know that this one was very highly rated. <laughs> No, they say they do mention something about the alternate ending, which I cannot find anything about. Um, yeah, and I definitely, I definitely want to speculate about that when we get to it because the mm -hmm. ending had me going, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> but like you were saying, this was um, this was kind of based around a, an incident, which um, my understanding is was pulled off by a couple of guys who were trying to. I think they were trying to push some like alien related product. Yeah, yeah, it was like a UFO detector or something like that. <laughs> this is in, oh, I mean, this is, 19, this is 1952. This is like in the early 50s, you know? Oh, man. Like, oh, geez. I, I would love to see the ads in the back of whatever magazine they advertised it in. And basically, that killed off all stories as far as like of UFO crashes for a long time. Like, Roswell had happened before that and but it was like a blip and mm -hmm. this this was what got a lot of attention and i think a lot of how the roswell story was presented came from this hoax actually interesting yeah i mean it but it's hard to say what, what came first because you know you're talking about like stuff that was you know rumor mill and then regurgitated and then some other person hears it and who the hell knows <laughs> But this is definitely one of those byproducts of the of that, of that, just like that little tip of this urban mythological iceberg or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Yeah, and it's kind of a marriage between like post-Watergate paranoia and the resurgence of interest in UFOlogy that you had in the 70s. Absolutely. Um, because I... They... They, uh, I think, and I think this was also in um, Starship Invasions, which we talked about on the show a while back. Mm -hmm. You know, something which kind of grew out of the um, the optimism and the 
solipsistic desire for self-improvement of the late 60s and the 70s, but um, the whole theme of like, oh, well, we're actually, uh, we are children of these aliens. Like we're related yeah. to them in some way. They're not, they're not completely alien. There's some kind of genetic connection. Um, and I do feel like that was uh, kind of a wistful outgrowth of like a lot of these um, notions of like human, human potential and, and, and self-improvement and stuff like that, you know, with everybody being into like, you know, remote viewing and mind powers and shit, like why not be the son or daughter of an alien? It's like, it's like being in a reincarnation and being like, yeah, well, I, I was Cleopatra in a previous life. No one is ever just some loser. I'm pretty sure I was an Italian woman in my previous life. <laughs> I mean, well, the only thing that I don't reason, the only reason I don't think that is I, I can't cook worth a shit. But, um, <laughs> what, um, what led you specifically to being Italian? Well, I love Italian food and I was born in Italy. Oh, well, there you go. Stand a reason. You know? I mean, there's probably there's probably something there if you were to if you were to dig into it. I mean, if you were if you were to if you were to consult a uh, a reputable medium, maybe they could. Oh yeah, help you absolutely. Figure it out. Sometimes I watch like Sopranos or something. I'm like, I, I feel I feel connected. <laughs> <know>. My people. <laughs> In a weird way, I do, but I think it's just because my my dad's from the Northeast, and it's just such a different. Uh, Billy than the one I live in. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, he's from Massachusetts, which is a different thing than New Jersey, but, you know, it's still, like, it's such a different thing than the South where I live, which is, right. you know. Well, the, the know. pesto is always greener, as they say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, as you could probably tell, we want to, we're trying to talk about anything but this <laughs> Disaster. This was a tough uh, one. This was a tough one. <laughs> I I was really falling asleep in the last third. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was like, I mean, I remember it being. I remember as a kid watching it, and I remember being like, just waiting for them to get to the alien part. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, because what else would you rent this thing for? <laughs> right. It's not for like the uh, uh, parallax view on quaaludes that they <laughs> do for like three fourths of it with these two astronaut characters. <laughs> Yeah, these are some mellow 70s astronauts. Um, <laughs> also, um, I don't know, like I'm more used to the, 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 the image of United States astronauts that really came out of like the Apollo program and stuff like that, where like every guy had like the high and tight military haircut and, you yeah. know, was very lean and like uh, rapier intelligence and everything. And I mean, these guys are smart incapable but they are kind of i mean they it's it's like your dad and his buddy like are astronauts like these are dad astronauts yeah it's a it's they got a kind of a fred and barney going. <laughs> 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 yeah and um this movie also is filled with actors that uh all the all these actors are are named oh it's um ah uh, uh that guy um, yeah, <laughs> and I vaguely remember him from something or whatever. Exactly, yeah. and um, it isn't just the direction and the the production design and kind of the smallness of the production in general, which makes it feel like a TV movie. It's entirely mm -hmm. populated by TV stalwarts. Um, 
the main cast being um, Gary Collins, uh, who was a TV guy. <laughs> this was yeah, TV before yeah. my era. Um, uh, Darren McGavin, who was, of course, Kolchak, the Night Stalker. Oh my God, he is, uh, he's honestly the only person in the movie who's really giving it any kind of like energy at all. Yeah, and I kept going back and forth on on his performance. It's 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 very odd, and he's. I mean, it's it's very driven by his eyebrows. I feel like his eyebrows are really <laughs> well. He running the show. <laughs> it's that kind of thing where you know, like much as the astronauts are not like um, kind of like my conception of of astronauts, at least not from you know the media like he's he almost seems more like a temperamental artist than like a nasa scientist mm-hmm. <laughs> like there are points in the movie where he seems like he's almost on the verge of bursting into tears yeah it's weird and i don't know um my of course my initial feeling is to sort of mock it because it's like where's where's this coming from for this character but it's like hey why not fuck it like do something with the role because there's not a lot going on with any of these roles yeah these are not interesting characters with riveting backstories exactly it's really frustrating because i feel like that you know the setup isn't like a terrible idea you could do like a little you could do like a nice little genre movie like a like uh most like half of this movie is like takes place on this military base in texas or whatever Mm -hmm. and then half half of it is like this really lazy conspiracy chase thriller <laughs> i mean really it feels to me like like the conspiracy thriller version of the uh the golf cart kind of racing in uh space mutiny oh yeah 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 where um the, using like okay like we're gonna use the facilities that we have we're gonna make do um yeah we got like a big airfield here we got a warehouse here that that sort of thing um and i this probably has a lot to do with the fact that this was uh this came from sun classic pictures uh uh, which is a it was a u.s film distributor uh back in the day like a four wall distributor which means that they would uh they would rent out screening space and they would get the box office returns from that and their stock and trade mostly was documentaries um not just uh in search of noah's ark in search of historic jesus yeah like some yeah like the 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 kind of thing that um well it just it all just all screams 70s to me because i think like the pinnacle of that sort of material is like in search of with leonard nimoy and stuff like that oh yeah yeah this is kind of more bargain basement and yeah it's like you had weird you know or like those ones with uh those ones with uh orson wells right yeah 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 where you you know you you blow your budget on like getting the name guy to narrate it to you know take a day and like read the you know read the script in a studio and then you fill in a bunch of stock footage and you know maybe you shoot some stuff if you're feeling generous um yeah exactly (laughs) and uh you know, so they did these documentaries about like, you know, kind of weird Christian-y shit and like UFO shit and like some wildlife stuff. And, but they did. Grizzly Adams. Yes. They did do some, some features like act and actual theatrical features, which again, blows my fucking mind. And I, if I recall correctly, Grizzly Adams was like a TV show and then they adapted it for the, for the big screen. Actually it was the other way around. It was a movie first. It was <gasps> really? A 
It was a big surprise hit, and then they turned it into a TV show. Oh man! Well, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have gotten that, um, that question on Jeopardy. But um, <laughs> yeah, so they did that. They, there was also another one besides um, Hangar Eighteen that they did. Um, they, well, they did some. Uh, I, I don't know. They did an adaptation of Fall of the House of Usher. Really? And interest, yeah. And interestingly enough, Cujo. Oh yeah, Cujo. Weird. Yeah. Don't know where they got the money for that, but hey, they yeah. probably figured that that it was doable because it's like, well, it mostly takes place in a car. Yeah, I mean, it's one location. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I Stephen King was big, but he wasn't quite what he is now. I mean, so yeah, I mean, this was like eighty three was. Oh, ooh, that was getting into his cocaine era, but um, it was yeah, past, <laughs> it was after The Shining, after Carrie, so you know. I be- yeah, I believe uh, Cujo was the one he one of those ones he did not remember even writing. <laughs> <laughs> That's how fucking snowblind he was. He was, he was too zooted. Um, so yeah. this is not um, this, this this is not a production company with like a lot of um, a lot of resources. Oh, here here's a detail about Sun. Okay, during its tenure, Sun Classic spent U.S. dollars. $85,000 in pre-production research on each of its films, conducting phone surveys and interviews with potential viewers. According yeah, according to Bruce A. Austin, uh, Sun identified as its market, working class families who rarely went to the movies more than twice a year. <laughs> and in the midst of the research, it released films with an MPAA reading of G and then heavily marketed limiting engagements. And like you said, they four-walled it usually. Yeah, so this isn't exactly like the... This this was not a forerunner of Zoetrope Studios or anything like uh-uh. that. This was a very business-minded organization. Uh, such as it was, they were not going to spend a hell of a lot of money. Um, and I think that's why you have a lot of... Um, kind of make-work sets, uh, television actors... Um, there's stock footage of the shuttle, which interestingly, I don't think had actually gone on its first mission. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, uh, yeah. Uh, I think 81, 80, was 80 or 81 when the first shuttle flight, I don't remember. Something like that. Um, yeah. but they were looking ahead. I guess they must've actually talked to someone at NASA in that case. Yeah. Which, well, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure the shuttle got a lot of publicity at the time. I mean, right, right. So, and the there's footage of the shuttle landing, which I guess must be from like test flights and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, most of the time it's just a uh, kind of model. I mean, it's it's like half decent. It's not the worst like cheap space model. The the it's... models are okay. Um, yeah. The you know the interior of the shuttle like they really punted though it's like come on guys yeah yeah it's it's like wow that's you're i mean honestly it's almost plan nine level kind of like it really it looks like a room adjacent to the ship in starship invasions yes except without a room of hot chicks in it yeah 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 speaking of i don't remember how there were hardly any like there's like maybe what two female characters in the entire movie yeah and one is comatose yeah (laughs) and i i made a note that uh the only black people in this movie are in mute insert shots yeah yeah i mean it is very i mean it's very very white it's very male it's very old skewing i mean too that like everybody in this movie like i was thinking i mean again i'm not one of those people who's like oh these people are ugly but these people are fucking ugly. 
I mean, it's just like it's just not flattering. Like the, the their hairstyles, everything, and it's just like it's just I don't know what it is. It's like it's it's just it's such an ugly movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and there's a reason that people make fun of kind of uh, '70s culture, like the you know the hair, the clothes, and everything. I mean, yeah, but but you could, it could be hot though. You know, yeah, some of it is hot. some of it is really cool, and then. I mean, like, I will, I will hand it to the movie. Like, Robert Vaughn is wearing an absolutely immaculate suit. Oh, of course, because <laughs> you know he works for the White House, and he's gonna be he's gonna be a sharp dresser. But yeah, it's definitely a parade of doughy faces. Yeah, very much. Lots of eyebrow hair. I mean, Darren McGavin's. I mean, oh my god. Like, I mean, he's just so he's he's on some other drug than the other ones are on. <laughs> Well, I think that he he appears to have taken time to try to understand like what kind of a what kind of a person is my character? Oh, he's a man who's passionate about science. Um, right. He has a he does have an ethical core, like and he does he cares about people and he's excited by knowledge, and that eagerness comes out in the movie. Um, everyone else is saying lines. Yeah. I mean, capably, like it's, it's not like you don't, you don't sit and watch this and go like, Oh my God, these people are terrible. I mean, this is more like, you know, competent professionals. Like they know how to speak on camera. Um, It's like, Oh, do you want this line funny? Or, you know, do you want me to keep it serious? Like that kind of a thing. Um, The um, Gary Collins and uh, the other guy, um, the guy who plays Lou, the other astronaut whose name I'm forgetting. They do, actually seem like guys who are friends yeah that is that's true they do have a buddy dynamic right yeah the 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 comradeliness of you know the u.s space program and all that you know they probably know each other from being test pilots or whatever the fuck you know and you know going going back a little bit to you know what you were saying about like you know the general attractiveness of the people on the screen it's like these are all perfectly acceptable human faces but i remember at one point when um the 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 woman who does the autopsy on the aliens, there's a shot of her early on where she's just like standing, you know, um, and God, this movie is so many just like head, like head up, like tight close-ups that it gets right. boring. It's like over and over. And, you know, just random. very TV. Like you said, yeah, it's very TV. Random people. And, you know, the close-up is like a very important tool in a filmmaker's, kit but it's like what exactly are you doing with it in this film it's simply filling time and space like oh we better get a we better get a shot of you know the people watching like let's make it clear they're watching what's going on there's a shot of this this uh actress and i almost gasped because she looks terrible like horribly lit like her hair looks bad like they barely combed it like i don't know what they were thinking with their makeup yeah and it's not because like oh this bitch is so hideous it's like it's like damn that is just like a poorly lit shot yeah yeah it's just it's just a movie obviously doesn't require an actor to like gets actors to be beautiful no. or pretty or or but but it stands out in a weird way yeah it's not um I, I won't say that it's actively hostile to its actors. It's like it simply just doesn't care. It's like, yeah, you're gonna get yeah. you're gonna get an adequately lit shot of people doing things or talking, and we're not gonna get we're not gonna get fancy. You know, we're not gonna do any of your arty shit. You know, yeah. We're, 
saving that for the shots of our little fake space shuttle, um, which, like I said, is 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 fine. The miniatures are acceptable. Um, the alien spaceship kind of reminds me of like. Um, <sighs> It looks like something that you, you know, like you, you have a product, like a, I don't know, it could be anything like a blender or a toaster or something. And there's like some kind of like plastic <laughs> insert in the box that's like molded to that yes. shape. And maybe you set it aside and you forget about it. And then you come across it you know, and then later and you're like, what the, what the fuck is this to? What is this? Like, that's what the alien yeah. spaceship looks like. Exactly. It looks like some kind of in, injection molded tchotchke. And I'm yeah. not even saying that in a bad way because it's like, okay, well, there is an effort to design this. And it does look very different from other alien crafts that I've seen in shitty movies. Yeah, yeah it's it's definitely, yeah, it's, it's like it's kind of slightly trying to do like the Close Encounters style where it's very elaborate. And that, and like some of the production design on the ship is like, okay, they tried. Like somebody made a whole bunch of alien hieroglyphs. I thought the alien font looked cool. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's neat. Like I'll, I'll give them that. And they made the effort to like make all these little things. Like there's a one hieroglyph becomes like a, a pivotal point in the plot when they're trying to crack exactly what's going on with the, the aliens, why they're here and all that stuff. Um, but then... You know, you'll look at uh, Darren McGavin and his crew, like, kind of walking through the ship, and you'll notice, like, what just looks like crushed tinfoil. Yes. Like, on the walls, and it's like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, okay, here's a few cool things that they actually spent some time on, and then the rest is just, just put a can on the wall. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, they kind of tried within, like, what was obviously, like, a limited budget and like we say on my show, have you seen this? They did what they could with what they had. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, which again, I, I like ingenuity like that in movies like Starship Invasions, which has probably even a smaller budget than this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's it, it's hard to describe, but like uh, Starship Invasions ends up feeling extremely quaint for the time it was produced, like 1977. Yeah. Same year as Star Wars, same year as Close Encounters. And it's like, this is like a fucking Ed Wood movie. Like, and, um, you know, maybe not as bad as all that, but like, definitely like kind of uh, just rinky dink in its effects and its its sets where it's like, well, it's a, it's a aesthetic, but it's a cheesy aesthetic. Um, there is a little bit of design effort kind of put into to Hangar 18. Um, they did a reasonable job at um, evoking spaces like, you know, like kind of like the NASA, the hangar itself, like the NASA lab. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. The Mission Control it was a reasonable facsimile of uh, of the real Mission Control. Um, so I've been watching the, sh the show on Apple. It's it's okay. It's interesting. It's not great, but it's kind of entertaining. Uh, for All Mankind, have you seen it? Oh, yeah. We talked about, um, uh, for anybody who's interested, um, you can listen to our Apple TV Plus episode on Have You Seen This? Uh, I believe that was a free one. So it's available wherever you get your fine podcasts. And we did discuss For All Mankind. I, I you know, I enjoy it up to a point. Uh, it's got, it's definitely got its issues, but um, their, their mission control is very realistic looking and convincing. Oh, like everything, the one thing I have to hand to the Apple TV people is that they're obviously spending a breathtaking amount of money 
on sets production design like that yeah, kind of thing yeah. i mean um foundation is as a show is in my opinion like a huge pile of nothing that i couldn't even be bothered with beyond like two episodes but it looks like forget looking like a million bucks it looks like a billion bucks it looks incredible um yeah. not a hell of a lot going on on the show in my opinion um and uh Certainly for All Mankind, there what there is a lot of money being put into kind of making it period, like, you know, for the, the alternate um, timeline yeah. that it takes place in. I did have my quibbles, but hey, I'm not going to bend your ear here. Why don't you check out Have You Seen This? Wherever you get your favorite podcast that's not Saucer Cinema and listen to our Apple TV Plus episode. There's a lot of good bile in that one. I bet. <laughs> yeah, I, I've only seen like two uh apple tv shows the ones i saw i like but i haven't really delved into the other ones because the other ones honestly looked all like expensive versions of fake shows in a way you know what i mean yes it's weird it's <laughs> like it it feels like a simulacrum of like a, a media network Prestige TV. It's, yeah it's very yeah. <laughs> it's very very strange and i mean i'm sure that tim my co-host and i will you know go down in history as uh you know famous haters of Apple TV. I don't know where it will go in the future. I think they're going to try to push it to more people with like the Apple One service and everything, but... We should actually... T uh, I don't think we've actually told the plot of this movie at all. I mean, Such as it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So... The movie starts off. We are dealing with a, spa a space shuttle in space. Two astronauts are flying. Or three astronauts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a guy out in the cargo bay doing. Oh man, I totally forgot about this. <laughs> the most gnarly thing in the movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, anyway, please continue. <laughs> yeah, they're they're deploying a satellite in space, and a UFO shows up. <laughs> as and, you do. Yeah, as as, as you do. Um, and uh, they deploy this, and the 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 the. The satellite hits the UFO, and then the sat part of this, uh, somehow the the other astronaut gets decapitated. <laughs> I, mean, I was not I was not expecting this. Yeah, that was uh, honestly. I just started cracking up at that part because I was like, "Oh, damn!" And you, like you said, it is it is really the most startling moment in uh, in the entire movie. Like, so yeah. they really kind of blew their wad early. Yeah. I mean, it's like literally you see the you see like the the bloody wound and everything. It's it's pretty it's pretty dope. I gotta say, um, and then uh, the thing the 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 spaceship sort of like makes an emergency. It doesn't really crash land as much. It just makes an emergency landing on Earth, right? Basically, it's weird. It's like really um, it's it's actually kind of confusing because um, when they deploy the satellite and it hits the ufo there's this huge explosion i was like wait they destroyed the ship like what the fuck but then it turns out that the ufo is okay it like you said it made an emergency landing on earth and fortunately it landed in the american southwest and not in like the middle of australia or something like that yeah um <laughs> so of course there's some local yokels who see it right and again um a, a kind of John Belushi looking guy um, who's actually uh, an actor who I think I I think he was in like Honey I Shrunk the Kids or something. Like I said, there's oh, wow. this, what, did he play, movie, what did he play in that? <laughs> I, I literally haven't seen that movie probably since 1993. So oh, yeah. I can't I, I couldn't tell you but um, 
another example of this movie being full of, oh, it's that guy. Uh, 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 shit. Like, and then you check IMDb and you're like, hmm, oh, still yeah, not yeah. ringing a bell. I was like thinking, he wasn't one of the kids, was he? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I made the kids old. <laughs> yeah. Um, isn't, no, isn't that what happens in the sequel? Oh, no, the sequel was they make the, the baby. Honey, I blew up the kid. Yeah, which is like such a misleading title. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been so much funnier the other way, but no. Yeah. <laughs> Just literally at the, t- the beginning of the movie, he kills off all the kids. That were the <laughs> Sorry, your mom blew up, Ricky. <laughs> the rest of it, the rest of it's just this like red, wrenching, you know, drama. It's just the, the grief and you know. Yeah, it's it's it, it's hard. It's really a movie about loss and yes. <laughs> coming back from trauma. Yeah, there is of course is is obligatory in these kinds of movies. There's somebody who sees the UFO and is is disbelieved. Um, this yeah. this uh, Texas resident takes the sheriff out to the crash site, but. Uh, it has been covered up because uh, what he doesn't know is that uh, Robert Vaughn and his uh, and uh, a, a, one of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, I assume, General somebody, yeah, um, and uh, another kind of Sicilian ass looking guy, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> that they've uh, because that there was a, pres- a presidential election coming up in two weeks, they decide that they want to cover this up. And yeah, uh, they, which I'm not, which I'm not really sure, like the logic of that, like, no, I, okay. Like, yeah, I was really confused and I was like, well, you know, I'll ask, I'll ask Alex if she can explain like, well, you know, why the fuck they did this. Um, but maybe we'll never know. <laughs> I, I mean, because like if an alien spaceship crashes, like on the White House lawn, it doesn't fucking matter who's president. But the optics, no, like, I, I honestly don't know. And like, and um robert vaughn's character like and i don't know what kind i i don't know what his job position is like it just like flew right past my head i don't know he could be he could be the fucking secretary of state for all i know but yeah it's something like that but like his office it looks like it looks like a dead study or something yeah <laughs> just like, it does not look like like an official place yeah well that's that that's that um sun pictures quality that yeah. we all come to expect um yeah so he and he explains like why exactly they need to cover this up but like a lot of other stuff in this movie it just kind of went right through my brain and out again um yeah exactly but I mean... apparently like they don't they don't want the public to know about this for some reason and more maliciously they decide to pin the accident on the surviving astronauts that's uh right gary collins and uh the other actors james hampton uh steve and lou uh astronaut buddies um yes which, astro buddies yeah which of course <laughs> that's fucked up right because they find out about it from the morning paper that yeah they're being blamed and they can't get any answers uh it's you know it's pretty pretty uh simple narrative so what can they do but try to figure out like what the fuck happened like yeah. where's the you know like what um and i forget i i'm trying to remember like what prompts their like kind of eventual well what prompts uh steve's eventual journey to to hangar 18 sadly we lose lou along the way in yes. uh, a very 70s action scene um, yes 
seventies movies were all about guys climbing on trucks. Yes, <laughs> it was like the height of, uh, of, of uh, I don't know, whatever. I guess it was just exciting. I don't know. I well, like... maybe because like uh, you know, like truckers were like the uh, you know the heroes of the interstate, and like CB radio was big at the time. So it's like, yeah, yeah let's, let's put some fucking trucks in here. And by the way, this watching this movie did remind me of watching. Um, the uh, two episodes of Gemini Man that were slammed together for a Mystery Science Theater episode movie, uh, Riding with Death. It is oh, wow. about as stultifying, and there is trucking <laughs> involved. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it comes from like uh, like the old Western day movies, like you know, where it's like they're doing like stagecoach or whatever. You know, they're doing stunts on the on the. I don't know. I'm trying not try, or or train or those old train. You know, like the 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 train movie. God, my my brain is starting to forget everything now. The Buster Keaton one, Silver yeah. Streak. No, no, <laughs> no uh, 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 I don't. Know. Yeah, the general. The general. Whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Steamboat you know, Bill like, Junior. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, just, oh shit! To... There should have been a steamboat chase in this movie. That would have been funny. Yeah, like in the middle of this, like. Uh, sci-fi thriller, just like an old-fashioned steam. Yeah, why, why, why the fuck not? Um, yeah, but no, this was made in the Southwest, not the South. So it's yeah, it's, it's, it's Texas, and it's it's trucking. And uh, I will say that a nice touch in this movie is the at the point where our astronaut heroes have to um, escape from a couple of federal agents who've been following them, and they end up punching these guys and. There's and Steve uh, Gary Collins actually there's a there's an insert shot which I very much appreciate where he's going like ah and like shaking his hand because he just punched this guy in the face and he's like I haven't punched a guy I haven't punched anyone since high school which I thought was kind of a nice touch because in a lot of movies the assumption with you know action heroes is just that everybody punches each other all the time everyone knows uh, kung fu and drunken boxing yeah um, yeah exactly like it's like oh yeah like these are capable men but they're not accustomed to you know beating guys up exactly yeah exactly i mean and that you know that is uh at least one dimension that the actor i mean the act i mean the actors are doing what they can with what very 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 little they're given <laughs> yes the the thin gruel which has been dried and pressed into screenplay form yes i, I read somewhere uh i i brought googling stuff about this movie uh, I think it was like on an old IMDb message board post, which is still up apparently. I mean, I know they don't. Oh my I... god! Seriously, those are yeah. still up. Well, I mean, I think I think the, they're they're still there, even though like they don't they're not active anymore. But, that is um, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So like it's like from like six or seven years ago or something, right? And like this guy said, uh, there's like something about this being the first uh, computer generated script. I'm not sure what that meant. Like. <laughs> Like, it, was, uh, it was written by an AI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a like a nineteen eighties prototype AI type thing. I'm like, that would be funny if it was, but no. I'm pretty sure that just meant it was written on a like an early word processor or something. But. That makes sense. I do. I do like the idea that this movie was generated by like a Cray supercomputer. I mean, I I I, I, I could believe that. Or maybe yeah. by uh, Proteus from Demon Seed. Yes. <laughs> Like in order to in order to support his offspring, he was obliged to take up a career in screenwriting, 
And he's right, like, yeah, right. let me just shit out a sci-fi movie for you real quick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's part of the uh, the Robert Bond extended cinematic universe. <laughs> the RVCU. <laughs> and if you'd like to know more about the Robert Vaughn extended cinematic universe, please go to patreon.com slash have you seen this? Um, yeah, join us in the Discord. Uh, send me some uh, pictures of Robert Vaughn. <laughs> yes. Uh and yeah, so let's so, you know they're 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 basically they're evading they're they're trying to find out what happened and evading uh, these uh, feds. Feds, yeah. I mean, it's it's just very generic kind of uh, conspiracy chase thriller stuff, which is one of my honestly my least favorite kind of story things. <laughs> I, I I just don't like ch- I don't like chase. I mean, chases are fine, like to, up to a point, but I. I just get bored by them after a while. Sure, yeah. Uh, you know, and like... Well, you're definitely like a... bored in this one because you're like, okay, like, we know that he's... That one way or another, he's going to go to Hangar 18. So you're just marking time for him to get there. Yeah, and then... <laughs> exactly, and meanwhile, we have this... the the What should be the more interesting story, which is the investigation of this UFO. I was thinking, you know... Right, thinking, yeah. Yeah. So, like, ideally, what I was uh, one of the things I was trying to say earlier, but couldn't get my brain to spit it out right, <laughs> was uh, that you know it kind of reminds me of kind of like an Andromeda strain type story, and there was like a bunch of people, right. people locked up trying to just understand this scientific problem or whatever. See, that would be that would be cool because that's what it really was. But they just kind of they're I mean they're they're doing stuff and figuring it out, but then it's just kind of. Uh, yeah. Well, no, it's know. it's it's that. It's just kind of uh, <laughs> just very inert, uh, I guess. Uh, like, okay, so so they have this alien craft on this on this base, which is funny because like KRT is supposed to be at Wright Patterson Air Force Base. That's what the lore is. But this is just like some fictional base. I think they pick it because it's like already outfitted with like space stuff. Yeah, it, it it's some kind of like um, uh, like shuttle like or moon like command center or something so they got the plausible deniability right right yeah how do they i forgot how do they get into the ship did it just open up by itself well they they're trying to figure out a way in when it just appears to spontaneously open and i remember when that scene happened i was like oh like there's somebody inside is letting them in but then it turns out that the the crew of the ship is actually dead so I don't know who the fuck opened the. <laughs> so apparently, yeah. Again, um, mysteries of that. Because I mean, I was I was legitimately wondering, like, okay, well, how are they going to get in? Are they? Are they? You know, because it seems okay. This is a ship which has survived like a direct hit from a large object that was moving at a reasonable rate of speed. Like, I'm not a physicist, but you know, there was a fucking explosion. Yeah. I guess there must have been like I mean maybe there was a bunch of gasoline on the satellite I don't know, um, <laughs> like gasoline and oily rags. Honestly, that would be an interesting twist if it like it turns out it's just like a, it's like a steampunk flying saucer. <laughs> it's just like... Yeah, like that would have been uh, you know that would actually get me to engage with something uh, steampunk. I'd be like, okay, well let's see how they pull this one off. But um, the ship having been through an explosion and crash landed, it's like, okay, this is obviously advanced technology, which is quite impervious to normal forces. So it's not like they can just get like a, you know, get a welder in and like cut through the hull or something. Right. Yeah. 
So I thought they were going to have, but you know, the, having the ship just open up uh, solves that problem um, in the moment. But in terms of story, I'm not sure how that works. It's, it's very just like, ah, just get to it. We have chase sequences to film. Yeah, no, we got to get back to uh, Gary Collins punching guys. So as it turns out, the aliens inside are, um, they've asphyxiated. There was a, a chemical beaker that was dropped and it um, produced some chemical yeah. reaction that um, robbed them of, of breathable air. And, you know, it makes sense because they're not just, uh, they're not, like I said, they're not aliens. They're related to us in in some way that uh, turns out to be kind of sinister. They're they're basically just humans that are bald and have spacesuits on or something, right? Because when um, when uh, Dear McGavin and his team are investigating the ship, uh, they come across a, a pressure suit which which startles them. Um, but when you see it, you're like, okay, so you know that's not surprising that we're going to see. Um, bipedal humanoid aliens yeah because let's be real unless you want to make farscape and uh get the jim henson creature shop it's really hard to do aliens which are not like you know kind of the star trek model where it's like okay like human actor with prosthetics not hating just saying um i mean and also they're keeping to the lore i guess uh, to a degree i mean like uh these guys are like normal height though usually the creatures that are described are usually smaller height or whatever uh you know like the little gray aliens right there was already an established kind of like i guess look and i guess this one is just i mean i, I get it you know you don't want to it's expensive to make a puppet we've already built a big plastic spaceship <laughs> you know might as well just 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 get some guys just shave their heads put some put some stuff on them. yeah um, exactly uh, that's it yeah but they're dead safely and conveniently we don't have to deal with that we don't have to deal with that uh they also find a woman <laughs> in uh in hibernation uh i this is not very clear it just turns out this is just a lady who was i mean was it was i i'm i guess you're supposed to infer that she was abducted or that's something? yeah because that's what as soon as i saw her, i was like oh shit like they you know they abducted someone because you know as we all know in the 20th century aliens were all over the planet doing this shit there were so many people being abducted and then returned to to tell their stories but um then there's also but as we learn more about the alien lore and they're able to translate some stuff on the ship um, there's a lot of really dark stuff about, you know, this being our ancestor race and all, and how essentially early humans were used as slaves. Yeah, this is a very, very uh, common trope in ancient astronaut theory stuff. Like, like uh, for example, uh, for, uh, for more on that, go back to the uh, episode uh, uh, Love Anunnaki Style uh, with featuring Bitter Corella. Uh, where we talk about chariots of the gods, yes. and uh, we also we also go into the we also uh, delve into the uh, work of uh, Zechariah Sitchin, who was like one of uh, Anakin's successors, uh, or uh, and he was like one of the guys who really pushed the narrative of you know humans being like this ape species that was elevated by aliens coming down and making us slaves or something. He was, yeah, and there's always um, I, I I don't want to say always because I'm not I'm not 
outstandingly well versed in like uh, ancient aliens lore, uh, Alex is your go-to for for something like that. But um, this is very common to science fiction in which uh, human oh, yeah. women are intensely desirable to extraterrestrials. Yes, uh, and this goes across even like even fucking alien. I mean, you have this, you have like, you know, the alien looking mm-hmm. lasciviously at, at uh, Scorny Weaver and shit. Yeah. Like, it just, it's, it, it, it's, it goes beyond aliens. And it goes, you know, back to, I mean, it's uh, King Kong and Creature of the Black Lagoon, you know, Dracula. I mean, it's, it's just like, there's all this, the, the tension between the, the beautiful woman and the monster. Right. And it's uh, the desirability of the human feel like trend female transcends species like um which i always liked when that kind of thing was inverted like uh for example i think it's it's one of the shittier star trek movies where it's like those uh two klingon sisters they're like looking at uh dr crusher on a screen and and one of them is just like human females are so repulsive yeah (laughs) exactly exactly yeah um but yeah, but again, this is a, just a well-worn trope. This movie is, I mean, there's just like nothing in this movie that's not off the shelf. Right, and I mean. so they have, and you know, they have this this woman who's apparently, you know, either in hibernation or a coma or whatever on their ship. Um, and I don't know if I'm just like losing my mind or, you know, this there just isn't a hell of a lot going on in this movie or nothing connects to anything else, but like, did they explain like what the story was? I remember like the um, one of the only female characters in the movie who's actually awake um, saying, you know, I just wonder like, you know, who she was, where did she come from? Do we ever find out yeah. anything else about this person? I don't think we do. It's just kind of dropped. It's just like, okay. Oh fuck. Because then, you know, and here's the biggest spoiler of all, like they just, the the government ends up blowing up the fucking fucking hangar 18 so i guess we never will know about this one <laughs> i think they mentioned something about taking her off to the hospital oh okay so i don't know maybe at some point she woke up and explained herself but we don't get to hear about it i guess i i, I think like she's like still comatose or something but she's like in shock or i don't know and what i'm getting at is that you know now that we you know when we have this lore explained to us about our, our history with this alien race is like, wait, are, do they have like a spare sex slave on their ship? Might as well, you know, Mars needs women, I guess. Yeah. Like I, um, <laughs> and you know, now, and this is a frustrating thing. And you know, this is why shit like fan fiction happens is that, yeah. you know, there's that compulsion. If you're an active viewer to like fill in the blanks. Yes. So, I'm like raising all these questions about this thing, which was raised by the movie and then dropped, but Hey, it might, it could be whatever the fuck I want for all I know. Like she just, you know, thumbed a ride. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe she was like one of those people who psychically tries to contact aliens and they came. Oh, and they felt bad for her because she doesn't really have anything else going on in her life. And they're like, yeah, you know, let's show her the ship, give her a break. And then, but this this cramped little ship is like a, And yeah, this amazing, wondrous. And she was like, "Oh, is that? Wow, that's it, huh?" And they were like, "Well, um, yeah, that's that's what we got." And but then she tripped on that little elevator platform and hit her head, and they were like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, 
<laughs> what are we to do? She's like unconscious now. And it's like, well, what, like, uh, I don't know. Like, what do we do with her? Like, we can't just walk into a hospital, can we? You know, so they just put her in stasis. Yeah. Um, I like this. Like, we can write fucking anything. Oh my God. We can make a prequel. Uh, prequel. Yeah. Uh, write your own story. <laughs> yeah, yes. Leave it in the comments. <laughs> well, oh, speaking of, uh, this, this is kind of funny. I found a novelization of this movie. Really? Yeah, I have not read it. I have it. I bought it last year, um, you know, just because I was like, okay, I mean, this has got to probably be terrible, but I got to have it. So, you know, it was like two bucks. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why the fuck not? And um, so I have it. Maybe maybe that will have some answers. I don't know. I hope um, so. And I hope there are uh, lots of descriptions of that silver fox Gordon Kane as portrayed by Robert Vaughn in the yes. screen version. <laughs> <laughs> then I think go way into his backstory, like how he got into politics. Yeah, like his time and uncle, and you know, like his uh, his Russian friend Ilya, and oh, Napoleon, yeah. you've changed so much. <laughs> Is that his name? Napoleon? Napoleon Solo. That's the character from Man from Uncle. Man from Uncle. Sorry, I was like thinking in this movie. I was like, I, my brain was not. See, I'm following. doing the um, um, you know, I'm giving the audience a little glimpse of the Robert Vaughn expanded cinematic universe. Um, there you go. There and, you go. Uh, tune um, in next episode when I tie this all into Bullet. <laughs> yeah, talk about chase scenes. Oh man. yeah, uh, the gold standard. <laughs> yeah, this one, Jesus. <laughs> it, this, is, this is yeah. This is the I don't know, man. It, it's uh, but yeah. So like they're. they're they're, 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 you know, poking around the ship and it really is kind of describing what they're doing. They're just kind of just like touching shit, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, what's going on here? Oh, okay. Here, that, this, that. And they, they find these glyphs. Well, one of, um, one of Darren McGavin's guys figures out that a particular character represents earth. Right. Okay. Yeah. One of them is like a linguist or something. Yeah. Or, or yes. anthropologist. Or... <laughs> he's a, he's a knowledge guy. He does. He knows yeah. things. <laughs> Yeah, he has a degree in uh, knowledge all <laughs> the, <laughs> the study of knowledge. What, what, what does he translate to get all this info? Well, there is a part later on where he's list he's uh, listening some to some audio and like reviewing some footage. Um, and just because I like um, robot voices, like rendered with like old style oh, yeah. vocoders, like you know the the classic Cylons of oh, yeah. Star Galactica, I just love that sound. Or yeah. you know, like in yeah, like, a, or, you know, in, like, a, a cool-ass, like, disco song from the era. Yeah. I love that kind of voice. And there's, like, a an alien language, like, speaking in this, like, vocoder voice. It's like, ooh, it's really cool. It gives me the, the shivers. Um, that part's actually kind of creepy. Like, they get, like, they, they pull up some, they manage to pull up some kind of, like, video or something well apparently the um and i made this note when i was watching is that the aliens have cable um, <laughs> because and it actually ends up being a little bit disappointing when they go on the ship and they first activate like you know the screen or whatever and they you just see like an earth newscast in english and they're like oh well they've been monitoring our transmissions and i was like okay well like you turn on an alien view screen in an alien craft, like I want to see some cool fucked up shit or like, you know, or, you yeah, know, it doesn't yeah. have to be event horizon, but it, 
Or just do, like do some predator shit. Like just put some graphics over it, and make it look alien. Yeah, you know, like and anything. you know, have like a puzzle for um, the characters and by extension the audience to figure out, which they sort of do. Um, and it's interesting that they are like, oh well, here's just a human telecast. But oh, later on we're like deep into the, you know, we got into their network attached storage or whatever, and we found like the alien shit, and now we're we're reviewing it. Um, and that's a that's another flaw of this movie is that um, uh, you know some of the most fascinating and tantalizing um, TV shows or movies will give you like a glimpse of something, but not fully explain it. Um, and yeah. that's why the 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 alien language footage and audio is so cool because like you don't understand what they're saying, but it sounds cool. And it's like oh my god, like what is this? What are they saying? Yeah. Um, but to walk onto a spaceship and see like CNN and then hear like, oh, well, they're monitoring our broadcasts. It's like, oh, well, okay. Like they got, they got cable. That's not that intriguing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm, also if they don't, I mean, do they understand our language? That's a really good question because like, what are the, and um, you know, the, the footage they show is in English, but, like, I assume that they could, you know, get whatever televised signal that they, they want. So are they sitting there watching stuff in Tagalog and just, like, looking at each other and be like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, it would be funny if they understood, like, Navajo, but not, like, English or something like that. Like, <laughs> Well, that, that sounds very x right there. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. Which is, uh, I'm long overdue for a rewatch of, of X-Files. Yeah. Um, also, shouts out to... Uh, this show that preceded it that they thought was going to be the big hit uh adventures of briscoe county jr and which we have talked about on uh have you seen this and in fact that is another free episode so uh go look for that one folks um i'm promoing yes. up a storm tonight <laughs> but um it's it's worth promoing it is a very good show i recommend it heartily to all of thank my you listeners. very very much i appreciate that um, I don't know if I if I even got at a point with the, the the alien language shit, but it's a lot of stuff which is intriguing and kind of cool, like given the limitations of the film. Yeah, but it's completely just undeveloped. You know, I did feel a little bit of a thrill when they finally get into the alien ship when they're walking around. You see those uh, those hieroglyphs. Um, which is my one of my favorite aspects the with the graphic design of what the glyphs look they look really cool yeah and when they finally uh discover the crew it's like oh shit you know like we're gonna see yeah. who was piloting this craft like that's cool i remember as a kid that was like what got me in the movie as soon as they actually show what the aliens look like i was like it's like a balloon being deflated <laughs> Oh man, that's that's what they're doing with this. Yeah, like you you had you know you had better creature design on like classic Trek, you know, like I mean at least you know it's like literally nothing. Like they don't put anything on these guys. I mean, like it's just literally shaved heads. I think they get some contact lenses to make it look. Yeah, cool. like oh, they have blue eyes. Whoa, that's so wild. <laughs> like that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like, man, it's just so disappointing. I mean, it's, you know, I, I'm not expecting, I don't know, uh, E.T. or something. <laughs> just, just do something. 
If if it had been ET on that ship, I would have just started laughing when they blew up the hangar. I would have been like, "Good." Oh my god! There's this picture I found online of one of the original ET puppets, and like it's the, like the latex is like, <laughs> rotted off. It, it looks horrifying. It looks it's it's like it's like the Terminator with ET. <laughs> like, like it's it's so disturbing. Ah, and you uh, know he was an ugly little motherfucker anyway. Even like intact yeah. like oh god I, oh, I hate that movie but um perfectly well-made movie like i've said this on twitter but uh extremely not my flavor let me just put it that way gotcha yeah no that's understandable i don't know i think it would be better if they didn't have any aliens on there you know i mean 2001 is one of the smartest movies ever to do aliens because kubrick was like you know, we keep coming up with all these ideas. And it's just going to be deflating when you see it. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, like, to compare. Um, and really, I I guess, like, the, the you know, certainly S- Star Trek um, did a lot with the ideas of um, alien races and, like, how we could have really different looking extraterrestrials. I mean, this was, like, you had this in science fiction, but it was tough to put on the screen because it was, yeah. like, and I mean, and basically, what Star Trek does is it just treats these alien races as just like they're just different, like other just people, right? Like they're 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 proxies for different like aspects of like the human personality, which is fine. Exactly. Like that, like Star Trek in its um, best incarnations is like a a show about humanity and what humanity can achieve. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. fine. Like that's you know I love Next Generation especially like again like at its right. best like those are great stories um star wars was really where the imagination kind of went just rioted with all these possibilities for what you would see like in a cantina on a desert planet like that kind yeah. of thing um so to see movies like this which were right kind of on the cusp of that like um flowering of like cinematic imagination um, I think there was still a little bit of a paucity of like ideas of like what could aliens look like. Um, maybe, and who knows? Like maybe the people who made Hangar 18 would have loved to have like you know um, cantina scene type aliens in that ship. It would have it. This is not industrial light and magic. Like it would have been beyond their capabilities. But right. maybe you could also do the Kubrick thing and um, just hint at what could have been on there. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. Like, I mean, you could, like I said, I think the ideal version of this movie would be something like an Andromeda Strain type thing, or you just have, like, these people in this underground hangar trying to figure out this scientific problem or mystery or whatever, and that would be more interesting of a movie to me than what we have here, which is just very happy. Fairly inert, yes. Yeah it's i mean and basically eventually these these two storylines that are gonna get together but like by by the time they i don't know (laughs) uh, it's a damp squib (laughs) yeah yeah it really is like uh it's just so so i mean so basically yeah the, the two astronauts are investigating going around they're getting chased uh some feds get killed and then eventually the uh the the chubbier look one gets killed. Yeah, doing uh, kind of like heroic evil Knievel type shit, which I did not yeah. expect 
from this movie. Yeah. I did not expect to see actual athletics, <laughs> but like he does like, you know, climb out of a truck while it's speeding and like get shot and like blow up some feds. So, you know, hey. Yeah, there's a little bit of a cab action there. Yeah, and it's funny because like if you look at um I always like to look at IMDB trivia, like before I talk about a movie for a show. Yeah. And you do all you do have to take IMDB trivia with a with a grain of salt all right. the time because, you know, anybody can submit it. But um there was one uh, piece where they were saying how oh well you know actually that thing that Lou did with the dynamite like it would have been impossible he would have had to like throw it like straight like you know 70 feet like from the back of a moving semi and blah, blah. and it's like oh shut up like <laughs> don't 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 quibble about like a tiny crumb of action in this movie yeah. <laughs> seriously I mean it's like of all the movies to complain about Right. And yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's a load of shit, but like, who fucking cares? Like, at least they put some action in this because there isn't a lot to be had. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and yeah, and so he gets like a nice little death scene. It's, you know, yeah. I'm not crying here, but like, okay, yeah, I get No, you. it's kind of sad because, you know, it's yeah. like a, a, a buddies. Yeah. A likable, doughy 70s dad who had like a rapport with his coworker and then, you know, he just gets he just gets fucking killed. Like it's like, oh well, that's that's a bummer. Like, you know, fuck this government conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we have another we have a dead astronaut, we have some dead federal agents. Um, and the word back at the White House or just Robert Vaughn's office or wherever the hell they are is like, <laughs> okay, like we have another man dead, like this time, a you know, an American astronaut. This is some serious shit. Like, what are we going to do to contain this? Because their objective has always been to like keep a lid on this story until that all important presidential election. Yeah. And I was really hoping for some like kind of um, political bite to this movie, <laughs> but like a lot, like a lot of movies it's just like, oh, the president, like that perfectly, like, uh, I don't even know a word for it. Like that perfectly unaligned figure, the American president. Like, yeah. <laughs> necessary, liked, just, uh, uh, it's really important that we get him reelected for some reason. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, there's no sense of ideological stakes. Right, yeah. I do feel like things are so heightened now that maybe things back then just, just seems so tame but I, I think in this movie it's just because they don't have any ideas it's just a plot device yeah and you know um there was certainly like a a tendency for like um you know this was like we established before the age of the paranoid political thriller like often coming from like a, a left perspective yeah but i don't see that coming from like uh sun productions or whatever the no like i mean i'm, I'm the thing is i mean there there's i'm at the point there's probably enough anti-government sentiment in the general public to be like to do this as a very not pointed political thing so it's like it's it's enough to have that in there but with it but they're not going to go into like making the president a stand-in for anybody right and you know if as you mentioned like the the production company was doing research beforehand on, you know, to figure if this would play with their audience, which was, you know, working class people who were not super plugged into media. Like they're not really going to rock that boat either because, and I'm not saying this because like, Oh, you know, the working, the lumpen proletariat, they don't give a fuck. No, there's a perception right. of 
the working class being, um, I don't want to say conservative, but um, and reactionary isn't the right word either, but, you know, kind of resistant to, to new ideas, you know, salt of the earth, you know, morons. Um, yes. <laughs> so they're not going to get like politically wild here. Like government conspiracy is fine. People mistrust the American government, but there are limits, exactly. you know, we're not going to attack our institutions here. Um, yeah. That said, eventually what it leads to is, when they're asking the question, you know, Robert Vaughn and company, how are we going to contain this? Um, what if we just blow up the fucking hangar? Yeah. 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 I'm like, yeah, problem solved. There you go. You know, <laughs> that does take us to the ending. Should we talk about the ending? Cause the ending was like, wait a fucking minute. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah. So the astronaut, he, he gets to, he gets to hangar 18. He sneaks in somehow. Well, he like shows his ID and while they're checking his ID, he just runs the gate, I guess. <laughs> and then like, they're like, oh shit, like we can't stop them. And then I guess he just kicks in a door or something. I don't know. I was really trying so hard not to fall asleep at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty silly. And then, and, and he, uh, he does link up with Darren McGavin. Uh, Who's a, a, they're friends. So they're work friends, I guess. Right. Yeah, and, he, and and like and so they go into the ship or something. He um and you know that's kind of the one bit of really strong acting that you get out of Gary Collins is when um, uh, McGavin's character like shows him like what's been going on like you know here's the fucking alien spaceship that that you hit. And yeah, I was definitely starting to check out myself here because it's well, it's kind of vague here <laughs> my, okay. my memory of it. And uh, um, Steve, uh, Gary Collins character is just like, you know, he kind of loses his mind a little bit because like, what the fuck is this? You know, like, what is like, what has been going on? Like what, you know, like we like my colleagues are dead. Like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and then uh, I guess he he explicates. But unfortunately, the the baddies, um, Robert Vaughn and company have sent a remote controlled plane on its way to hangar 18 and you're like oh shit like this isn't this is going to be bad like how like what's going to happen now um i was really i was really hoping that the, like the aliens would intervene or something like that would be so much more interesting than what happens here yeah because the ship does have some kind of like energy weapon which is demonstrated fortunately doesn't kill anyone <laughs> it puts holes some kind of uh, equipment. It's like shoots off some laser thing. Yeah. Thing. Some yeah, some kind of beam of energy. Oh shit! That would have been much better if like they had been flying toward the hangar and then like the the ship activated and like shoots it out of the sky because it detected a threat. Yeah, I mean that'd be so much more fun and interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, but... we're doing we're doing head cannon only from now on. So you know, disregard like <laughs> all the other stuff we're gonna say because yes, the plane does fly into Hangar 18 while Darren McGavin is saying something, um, speculating on something. And then it's like, oh, yeah. fuck. Well, okay. Like, and I was like, all right, you know, that's a bleak ending. Like, that's kind of cool. Cause like, that's, you know, it do be like that. Like, you know, stuff yeah. that's covered up by the government, like no regard for human life, um, often for extremely petty political ends, which boil down to like, oh, my, I need my team to win. So I don't care if like a hundred people die. Right. But 
we get by. <laughs> so, well, but then Wayne and Garth show up and they say, "Let's do the mega happy ending." <laughs> 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 totally, and, and, and so, so it turns out everybody's in the, everybody's in the spaceship is protected by the spaceship, and like the whole <laughs> the, the whole base is destroyed. Everything around them is in flames, crumbling on top of the spaceship. The spaceship's intact. The people inside are apparently alive, but we're we're not shown this. We are told this. Yes, by a, by a narrator. Yeah, like a newscast, which is like, oh, it turns out like everyone survived because they were shielded from the blast. Like they don't mention, I don't think they mention the alien craft, but they say like everyone was somehow magically saved, which is such a um, such an emblematic sin of low budget filmmaking. Yeah, <laughs> which is like, oh well, fuck, like we shit, like we wrote this, but we can't really pay that off because we don't have the budget so we're going to put yeah. in some audio which tells you what happened and yeah i understand why they do it but it, man it's fucking disappointing when you see it <laughs> yeah i was like what yeah that's that's it and, and then on top of that there apparently was an alternate ending but i can't really find out any information about what happened yeah because that was going to be my next question because like i did see some you know might have been on mtb that there was like a in the trivia section there was an alternate ending but i'm like well i don't know god knows how you dig that up and is it worth digging up and i don't know there I, there were some threads on the imdb message board that i did look at that were like mentioned something about the president loses the election and you're just left there yeah well yeah like what um uh, like okay like the ending as i don't want to say the ending as is like forget the forget the uh blade runner theatrical cut ass narration at the end let's pretend that didn't happen like if it really if they really just did the total downer ending where everything blew up i'd just be like okay like that's very cynical i like it like, yeah. it doesn't make you feel good, but it's, like, again, it's, like, it do be like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, I mean, I guess that they probably would have tried to do, like, a, a quasi-happy ending where maybe everybody dies, but then the Robert Vaughn's team loses the election. Yeah, something like that is what I gathered, but it wasn't very clear in the post I was looking at, and I can't find any other information about it. I can only, on the Wikipedia, it just says uh, that Leonard Malton said that the ending is not, does the alternate ending is not as good or doesn't work or something. Which is well, like the ending as it is now doesn't work, so. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, how can it get any worse? Just, just give us something else, anything else. Yeah, like, know. well, okay, like, what ha okay, like, so everybody gets killed in Hangar 18, except the woman who was on the ship, like, wakes up, and she says, um, uh, drink your Ultine, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know, it just, it's just, it had a very, very much a, my home planet needs me kind of shit. <laughs> literally almost if we go with the ending that uh that we see on streaming like okay so the government has an alien craft right and the nasa team are okay so i guess they're going to continue their research and maybe they will talk to that lady who was on the ship even if it just ended up with her waking up that'd be kind of like a funny suggestive ending I don't yeah know. and that's um that is really easy to shoot like you don't even have to have a hospital room just put her in a bed with white sheets just tight 
close on her face, or maybe you could pan around the bed a little bit yeah. if you're just against a white wall. Just some hospital sounds in the background. Yeah, and she wakes up, and there you go, like cut to black. I mean, it's not it's not genius, but hey, it's intriguing. It implies yeah. that the story suggests- will continue. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then you get Hangar Eighteen Two, uh, Hangar Nineteen. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hangar Eighteen and a Half. Yeah. On the rocks. Yes. <laughs> Hangar 18-2 on the move. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the one I, my brain always goes to is like the mannequin 2 on the move. That's like always the one my brain goes to. And I think With Meshach Taylor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hollywood. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's Hangar 18. Um, I, yeah. I do know that this movie was featured on one of the season zero as it's called uh, mystery science theater episodes back in their um, yeah. KTMA like Minneapolis days. Yes. Yes. I think I've seen it before. Maybe. I mean, it's, it's, it's always been hard for me to watch those really early episodes just because it's just, they're pretty slow moving. Yeah. Like the movie. So. Yeah. And, but um, yeah, I mean, I can't recommend it, but. It is kind of an interesting curiosity, I guess. Definitely an artifact of something. (laughs) It's really just really sad that I can't come up with anything else to say about it because it's just not, it's almost a nothing of a movie, you know? Considering the subject matter is really, really, really depressing. (laughs) Yeah, because it definitely, it embodies a lot of like 70s culture, you know, aliens, ancient aliens, government conspiracy, but it doesn't do a lot with them. And you might just be better off watching old episodes of Kolchak the Night Stalker. Yeah, yeah. Or X-Files or Close to Cat or fucking anything else that has the same subject matter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll have more fun watching Starship Invasions, and that is not a good movie. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like the, the, There's way more going on in that. It's cheesy, but it's got a, it, got, it has its own thing going on. Plus it's got Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah. It's got fucking Christopher Lee just being... An alien, you know, wearing, you know, in a jumpsuit with like a weird, yeah, it's, it does actual more, it does more interestingly weird things with UFO lore than this does. This is just pure off the shelf alien tropes that were in circulation at the time. And, you know, uh, one gnarly decapitation. That has yeah. <laughs> Which is uh, delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, not much else to recommend it. Um, Sad, really. Yeah, but, you know, such is life. Uh, they can't all be winners. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't all be lion tamers. No. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thank you, Jen, uh, once again for coming on. Uh, of course. Always a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always a blast. Uh, always welcome back. Um, uh, I look forward to going on your show at some point to talk about something uh, not this like this 100% it will probably be something starring James Spader at least I hope it will be yes yes that's what I'm hoping because that that's that's uh definitely a a subgenre I'm very interested in yes absolutely um but yeah like uh the skip hanger 18 um you know what uh, like that first season of man from uncle like when it was black and white and it was kind of more serious in tone like I fuck with that shit. There's a really good episode with uh, that uh, Jill Ireland is the is the guest star. I believe mm-hmm. she was married to David McCallum at the time. Uh, that's what I'm going to recommend to the audience. Um, 
skip Hangar 18. It's streaming for free. Don't bother. Yeah, I mean, there is a high quality rip of it on YouTube, but yeah, right, like it, it's not worth it. I mean, it, maybe for people like me or UFO completists. Completist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I will probably check out the the the, the novelization just that I have just to, out of curiosity, just to see elaborates on anything interesting. But, yeah, I'm really curious. Like, and um, you like tweet some excerpts or something because I want to know how they expanded this. Like, and if it was at all effective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always fascinated by like uh, novelizations of like really low budget movies. Like, like, like usually you expect, of course, big budget movies are gonna have the tie in, but like, yeah. One of my favorite tie-ins that I had as a kid was uh, the Carnosaur tie-in. You know, the, the Roger Corman Carnosaur movie? Wow, with Diane Ladd? Yeah, yeah. The, it was actually literally, it was actually based on an English novel by uh, this uh, prolific, uh, one of those guys who was like the inspiration for Garth Marenghi, you know, one of those guys. <laughs> Literally one of those guys, like, like that just, you know, churn out like, these books. It, it's kind of an f- interesting little book, like it's uh it's like it was like six years or so before Jurassic Park came out, you know. So it's got nice, but, it's, but a similar, similar kind of plot, cloning dinosaurs. Interesting. Anyway, uh, yeah. Anything, anything more interesting than fucking Hangar Eighteen? But uh, Spaceballs the book. Yeah, Spaceballs the book. Uh, thank you once again, Jen. Thank you, and visit uh, patreon.com slash have you seen this, or just our website at have you seen us. There you go. If you have any constructive comments, movie suggestions, or stories of your own otherworldly sightings or encounters, drop us a line at saucercinemapod at gmail.com.